Hello and welcome to the Saturday Night Outside podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Marler, Tennessee is on the board. Boom. Let's go, Vols. Good, good for you, you guys. Vols. Good for you. You know what? Don't say it enough. Didn't have to sweat it out. We wanted to lead with Tennessee because we feel like these these first couple weeks have been just been so brutal and so rough. We're not actually going to like dig into the the breakdown of a game that was decided in the first three minutes. Yeah, absolutely not. But good for you, Tennessee fans, because you know what? You deserve to be able to have a nice, easy, relaxing, just relaxing Saturday against Chattanooga. Yeah. And who cares if it was an FCS team? Whatever, man. Like, you get over it. Do you, we've boo-boo. Got, <laughs> we've got a lot to get to today. Um, we want to discuss, obviously, your trip. You are still in Columbia. We're recording this uh, on 9.45 Sunday morning. Right. Uh, you, you are basically in Iowa's visiting locker room right now. Yes, that is a very accurate thing. I'm in my sister's room, which is uh, painted completely pink. It's, a, it's like a, it's a nightmare. It's like I'm inside of a puff snowball thing from Hostess. <laughs> we want to get um, all all the 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 takeaways from from the weekend that you had, the, the tailgate, even the stand up. We'll, we'll get into all that stuff. Of course, we're going to talk about the big QB news: Felipe Franks going down, season-ending injury; Kyle Trask coming in, saving the day for Kentucky. We also have stuff that we're going to get to about just new faces, new quarterback faces in general in the SEC. If there's a theme of Week Three, that seems like it was it: just new quarterbacks making impressions, some good, some not as good. Um, and then we, of course, are going to dig into some really, really successful gambling updates from Uncle Yo. Chris on a Both roll. Of us. Yeah, both of us, albeit in a limited, more limited sample size for me. But don't worry, we'll we'll brag about that plenty. And then we're gonna do something that we haven't done yet this year. And for whatever reason, I don't know why we haven't done this. Maybe last week because I was working with Adam and it was a little bit different than working with you. Not to say that Adam couldn't do this, but this is something that we we did a lot last year. Guess the lines for the upcoming week because yeah, week four, like week four is good. Week four is gonna be really really good in the SEC. Um, so we're going to dig into that a little bit, talk about what we're looking forward to. But before we do all of that, I have to tell you about our friends, our new friends at Vintage Brand. Yes, as you know, like we talked about the other day, you know that I love the throwback t-shirts. I am a huge, huge fan of them. I, My wife says I have way, way, way too many throwback t-shirts, whatever. I mean, I, I just kind of accepted this is who I am at this point. You right. can be that person. If you are looking for some some timeless some timeless gear, you know you want some of the some some new coffee mugs, something to spice up your man cave, your women cave. I don't know whatever you need. Vintage Brand is going to have you covered. Vintage Brand is a sports apparel and gift brand celebrating the rich history of American sporting culture. Their collection includes ten thousand digitally restored authentic vintage works of art reproduced on apparel, wall art, koozies, drinkware, and more. Relive your favorite SEC and Big Ten mascot designs, football teams, and bowl games. Vintage Brand is giving away daily $100 promo codes to email subscribers. Make sure you definitely do that and relive the game. Marler, Florida, Kentucky. Let's start there. We knew it was going to be good. We knew it was going to be really, really good. Did we? Did we, though? Based on the last two years, the last two years, yeah. that, that game has just been, it's been awesome. It's been thrilling down to the wire. Whatever side you're pulling for as a neutral observer in that game, you knew, I, I thought it was going to be fun to watch. I thought we got that vibe early on. Yeah. But as it turned out, it was a roller coaster of a night because Felipe Franks goes down with a season ending ankle dislocation, which Brian Greasy diagnosed on the broadcast like immediately. And it was kind of uncomfortable because it was like, whoa. 
the guy's like getting carted off the field and he's like already announcing him done for the season. It was very, very strange. Yeah. But it was it was a weird development. Did you have a chance to watch this live as it happened? Okay, so here, and this is, I just had a, a very big re- revelation about how I processed mostly everything that happened yesterday. Because everything, <laughs> so like, I, like for me personally, because I didn't get to watch this live until the fourth quarter. Like right, we, right. The game ended at seven. We had to go back to the tailgate and get like the signs stuff like that. And, and I was like, we thought about leaving early, but I wanted to stay till the end so Nick Saban didn't yell at me. But also, mm-hmm. like, we were trying to the traffic in Columbia. I, I, I didn't know this. Getting out of Columbia apparently is like the worst out of any stadium in the SEC because it's only two lanes and they block off everything. That so seems it took dumb. us. I, the game ended at seven. Connor, we got home at 9 20. What? My mom, my mom had to come pick us up. Right, she. So we 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 ran to David Carter. It was great. Hung out with him for most of the weekend, actually. Shout the out podcast. David. He was awesome. But my mom had to come pick us up, and and it was like on her way into the town. We we lived three miles from the stadium. It oh took her gosh. an hour and a half to get there. And so we were trying. I listened to some of it. Like most of the stuff I like the updates I got were from Twitter, and and like ESPN like scores. So I tweeted out the video, and I, I kind of regretted doing it because it, it's nasty. Like if you have yeah, why did you do that? By the that way, was, that was, so I did it because I was like, okay, they're not going to show. If we're not going to get a replay, like there are a lot of people who are like, what happened to Felipe Franks? They want to see it, right? And you know, like obviously there's probably there's a selfish bone in my body because it's it, anytime there's an extreme play that happens, I always want to get video of it. So like, Ooh, I, like, I, I, I should have in general or like like an extreme like injury. No, 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 not extreme injury, just extreme okay. in general. I tweeted out, like, the Garrett the Garrett Schrader uh, helicopter play that he yeah. had earlier. I'll do that. Like, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had the horns right. down. I tweeted that out last week. Like, that's just kind of something I do on a given Saturday. And I kind right. of did that without even thinking, like, oh, crap, there's a reason that ESPN isn't showing this. I tweeted that out before they even, like, came back from commercial break. And it's nasty. Like, you watch it, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. And this moment that Florida fans are just – a lot of Florida fans, I'm sure, had very mixed feelings about it because to that point in the game, Felipe Franks had not played well. He had turned the ball over, and obviously it was a slow start to the season. At the same time, somebody who's meant a lot to this program over the last year or so has has go is undergoing this this serious injury, and it's an emotional scene. And yeah. Florida, you know, then then reality sets in, and Florida's cool. down 21 to 10 in this game, and it's like, well, crap. How are we supposed to feel about this right now? This is just this is strange. Yeah, I, it it is weird too because <clears throat> I think like. Well, for one, I want to say I hope Felipe Franks gets gets better soon, recovers, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it was it was good to see him. I I'd not say good that it seemed crying, but I I was impressed to sh- like to see him showing some emotion because I feel like so much of his personality and this like bravado is like kind of we talked about the last couple of weeks where he's he's just trying and does a little bit too much sometimes, and it felt like this was like a the genuine Felipe like this, and it was devastating to watch. But so when I when I say I miss most of this game. Everything I, I got from it, I had like my Florida fans were, and Kentucky fans were like texting me, and they're like, Kentucky's outplayed Florida for three straight quarters for yeah, the third straight yep. year, mm-hmm. and and this is this is just maybe is this what this rivalry is now? Like, is this where this is headed? Because this is consistent for the last three years in a row, and and then I got home, and that's when everything had changed with Trask coming in, and it, that, that fourth quarter was wild. It was nuts. Kyle Trask, a guy that we've talked about a lot in this podcast, the guy that I said I thought yeah. he was going to start over Felipe Franks last right. year. <laughs> And then, you know what, like, Kyle Trask stayed at Florida when 
You know, he stayed at Florida when Dan, when Dan Mullen was hired, despite the fact that he wasn't a system fit at all. Right. I mean, that was that was pretty well documented. And then he even stayed this year, where Emory Jones is sort of the, the quarterback and waiting. And at the time, you know, Jalen Jones, who obviously was suspended and kicked off the team, like, he, he was coming on board as well. Yeah. And Kyle Trask stayed. And he stayed for a moment like this, because he came in in the fourth quarter, and a lot of people, I'm sure, were like, hey, why isn't Emory Jones coming into this game? He's the guy that we're excited about. We expect him to be the next starter right. of this program. Kyle Trask was built for that moment. He has yeah. had so much time to prepare as a, as a backup quarterback. And you can make the joke, yes, he was a backup quarterback in high school because Derek King, the Houston quarterback, started over him at, in, in high school in Texas. Right. And Kyle Trask comes into that game and just balls. Like He and Van Jefferson were just so in sync yeah. and totally changed the flow of that game. And in a, in a totally different, like on a different scale, it was much like you know watching Jalen Hurts come into the SEC championship and right. Georgia all of a sudden was just like, oh my gosh, we have no idea what to do with this. And they couldn't react. And that's what it felt like with that Kentucky defense. And the way that that game progressed, you just started to feel like Kyle Trask is going to do this. And even you know as Kentucky lines up for that kick, I had that text to you and Will ready to go where I'm like, it's a shame that Kentucky had to miss that kick in that moment because you feel so bad for those fans who have right. just had to deal deal with kind of torture in this rivalry in Lexington. Obviously, we remember our good buddy Luke Del Rio coming in and saving the day for Florida in Lexington two years ago and the way that that game unfolded as well where it was in the bag for Kentucky. And yeah. this, in a, in a different way, was just an, it, for Kentucky fans, I'm sure it took them back to like, man, we just can't close out these games. We talked about it with the Jared Lorenzen, um, it just meant more game, where yeah. it was just like, Kentucky's always going to find a way to lose these type of games. And this was a little bit of a flashback for them, despite the fact that they played extremely well and did a lot of things to deserve a win in this one. So they outplayed Florida. They've play, outplayed Florida for 11 of 12 quarters, I feel like, in in the last three games. And and it, that's something to be said, and that's not like a you know like a like a moral victory. Or not, was it, is that is that what we call it? A moral victory? Yeah, moral victory. Cool. Um, you know, me and morals that really don't go to, well together. So, um, <laughs> no, but like, it, it, I'm not trying to you know discount what happened with Florida because that was incredible. Trask comes in. Florida deserves just, a ton of credit for that. Yes, by the way. A ton without of a doubt. So like, because because again, everything I had like, and these are diehard Florida fans that I'm, like my buddy George texts me. He's like. They are they're beating us on the line of scrimmage. They yep. are flat out outplaying us again. He's like they're a better football team, and like that's that's from a Florida fan. And and what I was able to watch, even like in the brief moments, I I was seeing that. Like and the offensive line for Kentucky was able to push Florida around at times last night. And it it's was, better. It was, it's better. It's, that, it's that better than Florida's like, offensive line. Clearly, I, I really, I re- yeah, for for sure. But like so, when when you look at Kentucky, like I don't think this is a situation where it's like yeah, Kentucky's going to Kentucky or whatever. Like they found a way to lose. They did find a way to lose. They they did they did snatch uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. I think they got way way too conservative and just got like a little bit like I, I'm sure nervous and just kind of puckered up there a little bit towards the end. But I mean, again, this program I think has made that turn. I think they turned the corner. Absolutely. They are legitimate. And, and I've been I've been the worst about it. like I think I picked them to not cover the spread in all three games. I haven't picked him in Florida. Yeah. And 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 I'm I you know, I love Cash Daniel, I love Terry Wilson and all these guys, and I love Mark Stoops. But even I wasn't that necessarily a believer. But what I was able to watch with their offensive line and you look at the numbers they put up, that's a team that Florida came in with fifteen sacks on the year and I forgot how many tackles for loss, but they're constantly in the backfield. And when you're able to push them around and limit them to only one sack that night, that's that's impressive. 
I was getting ready to write the column, shame on everyone for dismissing Kentucky and saying like this is going to be a massive fall off. Because think about this. If Kentucky wins that game. We'll t- don't worry, Florida fans. We're going to get to Florida. We're going to get yeah. to Kyle Trask stuff as well. But just to put a bow on Kentucky, if Kentucky wins this game, they're 3-0 and with a win against a top-10 team. And all of a sudden, we're talking about the same things that we were talking about last year. And Kentucky yeah. is in the top 25 and it's is, is sort of starting to feel like this us-against-the-world type thing. Yeah, it is. And, and Stoops is in, in the postgame would have been even better. He kind of walked off. And obviously, like Kentucky fans are frustrated with the targeting call that happened, which was garbage, was in my opinion. Terrible, a defensive tackle ball. getting a targeting call in that spot was, was just terrible because it had such a massive impact on the game. Yeah. And it, was, it just looked like a regular tackle, if we're, if we're being 100% honest. So I understand Kentucky fans frustrated with the officiating. There are three targeting calls in this game, right? I th- I th- it felt like at least three because there was one on the Kentucky DB in the end zone. Yeah. I think that was on Freddie S- where he, he hit Freddie Swain going over the middle on that incomplete play. But a Kentucky secondary that was already really thin, and maybe that was part of it too. Not to take anything away from Kyle Trask, he took advantage of a very very young Kentucky secondary for well, sure. And Kentucky it was decimated. playing way off, just way, yes. very soft coverage. But I mean, yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's talk about Florida though. Give them yeah. Some so Florida, Florida right now, I think you know. To find a way to win that game with Kyle Trask, everything has kind of changed perspective-wise because we know that we know that with Felipe being out for the year, it's the Kyle Trask show. And yep. you know we had we had kind of talked about this last year about Kyle Trask being able to execute Dan Mullen's system. He's not as mobile as Felipe. He's not going to make these dazzling, unbelievable throws like Felipe can. But is he going to be more steady? I think so. I think he's going to make more of these. Just He's going to be more accurate. He's going to be able to execute the system in a way that is different. But at the same time, like we saw him run in that go-ahead touchdown as well. And that's the big knock against him is that he's not mobile. And if you think about Dan Mullen's quarterbacks, obviously all of them are mobile. And right. he's more he's more mobile than maybe we've, we've realized because you know he was able to move around a little bit. But he's just not going to be able to do some of the things that Felipe does. Does right. this change your outlook of Florida moving forward knowing that Kyle Trask is going to be the starting quarterback? back it, I, I, it's way too early for me to tell just to be honest like i, I don't i don't have a I, I don't want to give an opinion on that because i, I don't have I, i'm just ignorant into like what i what i know of Kyle Trask, what i was able yeah. to see of that game i don't want to be a person of the moment for like like i don't i don't want to after this week especially with just dealing with people online i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to like have my reactions be just from week to week or game to game but also this game specifically i only saw like one quarter of it so i, I don't right. know how to look i will say the the two point conversion call. I wonder with like the frame of this kid and like his his like his skill set. He's not Tebow, obviously, but he's I six wonder, five. He's a big boy. I wonder if 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 Mullen thinks he he has his Tebow in quotes of how he can run like like short like you know like short down distance offense power running with the quarterback stuff like that. And that, those are things those design quarterback run plays are a staple in this offense. And like everything is predicated off the run. So I wonder I wonder how much he will be able to. Uh, how much he's going to lean on that? Yeah, the go-ahead touchdown looks <clears throat> nice. And let's yep. let's remember, you know, we've talked a lot about injuries, and Sawyer Smith played well for a lot of this one for Kentucky, but you know, obviously made some some key crucial mistakes down the stretch. Right. And in, it's so weird that injuries, you know, ended up telling kind of telling the story of this game a little bit. And here's Florida trying to make this comeback, and they don't have Kadarius Tony, and their secondary I thought was getting picked apart early without C.J. Henderson, and you know, obviously the Felipe injury, and you, you look at Florida and having three key injuries really in that spot, and you're down 11 points on the road against a power five team that won 10 games last year and you're able to win that game for me that's a good sign moving forward for florida just in terms of morale what you're trying to do this year and it kind of says hey look 
we can rally and, and flip this switch in a way that, you know, they didn't have to do that in the Miami game, obviously, because, yeah, they were down at points in that game. Miami was just a totally different set of circumstances. I give them so much more credit for what they did in Lexington, and that showed me more about whether or not this team is actually going to be able to hold together and have one of these teams have one of these seasons where maybe they can go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Obviously, right. they have issues, and that the, the biggest issue is the offensive line play and the struggles that they have up front because they really, really need to get that running game going if they're going to be a threat in in, in the division, in the conference, yeah. whatever you want to call it. But. I just thought that what this game kind of told me more than anything, East is going to be nuts this year. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not, going to be wild. There's one team that's going to win, but outside of Georgia, be, East is going to be nuts. Yeah, two through seven is going to be just a brawl. Oh, just what an awful year though to see three. We're 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 just finishing up week three in three SEC East starting quarterbacks done for the year. Terry Wilson, our good neighbor Terry Wilson, good friend yeah. Terry Wilson. Uh, Felipe goes down, and then obviously Jake Bentley is down as well. Here's well by the way, real quick, Sawyer Smith. Just shout out to him. We didn't even mention this. He looked great in the first half, especially. He, he yeah, that's really what, that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, he looks so, he looks more than capable. I think Kentucky fans are are breathing a little bit easier knowing that he's going to be running the system. Yeah. More polished as a passer, I think, than yeah. than Terry than Terry Wilson. Well, Obviously, and our buddy Matthew same. Gordon uh, from Facebook, is a big Kentucky fans, one that predicted him to go ten wins last year. He he made sure to reach out. And he's like, "What were you guys saying about how Sawyer Smith wasn't any good?" I was like, "That's no one." I didn't said say that. that. I just no said I couldn't. Said we, we didn't know anything about him. I, yeah, exactly. I said I couldn't pick Kentucky to win, knowing yeah. not knowing what we were going to get out of Sawyer Smith. Um, so here's an interesting question, and we're obviously not going to have an answer to this, but it's it's fascinating to think about because these things change so much. Where do you think Felipe? And Jake Bentley are going to be at this time next year. And don't tell me what Gary Danielson said that Jake Bentley is. Oh, Jake Bentley should go to Oklahoma because obviously Lincoln yeah. Riley would totally have him, and that'd you, be the first on his list. Oh my goodness, Gary! Danielson. You were on that fire was, yesterday with some, some oh. of your tweets that I was getting caught up on, like in the stadium. Um, I can't believe Gary Danielson said that. That, that was that was a dumb thing to say. I like we talked about the four pack Walmart movies. Where like three of them are like a, a series, and then like one just makes no sense. Like, oh, here's the first three lethal weapons, and here's Dunstan checks in. Jason like, yeah, that is Jake Bentley. Jake Bentley is Dunstan checks in in the lethal weapon series. Like, it makes I, he, he's not going to Oklahoma. Franks, that's tough because you know we talked to Neil Blackman on here, and he said mm-hmm. it's, it was a worst kept secret outside of an injury. Yep, Felipe Franks is going pro, and I, I don't know if that's still the right move coming off the injury, but I, I t- I'll tell you this. The this the film they have on him now is is pretty good film, and I don't know if his stock can go get much higher or lower. I agree. Uh, when you lose, especially with those receivers, because they're all they're not going to be back next year. Yeah, I would. My guess, if I'm predicting today, Felipe goes. Fleet, yeah, Felipe goes to the draft, and, and and Bentley finds finds a new home. I don't know if that's going to be at a power five oh. team. But the, I, the the Bentley thing, my bad. Uh, I told somebody this yesterday, and I, and I 100% mean it. Like this is not. I don't think it's that bold of a prediction. Bentley will be in the XFL in 2020 because he's, oh, he's not. He's not. I, think, I don't. There's no way he's going to win a starting job back from Helensky. I don't. I don't know what. There's so much. Like there's so much film on him, and it is not great. Like one good year that he has, I don't think is going to outweigh all of the because he's going to do it against lesser competition. It won't be in the SEC. And so if he if he has a good year, that's going to be a knock against him if it's like lower competition. And then you have all this bad footage. So Bentley I think he's going to go some, pro. He had some NFL buzz, but here the issue with Bentley is is obvious. 
like you can definitely string together some NFL throws, and you could he could, he yeah. could have a six minute clip. You could string together a six minute clip of him where he looks really good, and then you kind of watch a lot of the rest of it, and you're like, oh yeah, the decision making is not where it needs to be. No, college is slower than the NFL in right. terms of the the way that you need to be re, the the way that you need to react. So I I don't know what what's next for Bentley. I would my guess is that he's going to try and get somewhere as a grad transfer, just because his last season yeah. was disappointing, and he wants to be able to put some more good film out there. So that'd yeah. be my guess. All right, let's talk about that. Let's talk about South Carolina, Ryan Holinsky, your whole experience in Columbia. Tell us about your weekend. Man, it was a lot. It was a, uh, it, I think I was so stressed um, from the planning of everything and then getting there. And because, like, it was everything was a whirlwind. Like, I mean, I, like, for those of you who don't know this, um, obviously still recovering from surgery. When I say recovering, I would use that term very loosely. Your plan um, Because I just, I, I just haven't really had time to, focus on just like why you know not being able to do stuff really and last week we're planning a bunch and me and Allie actually found out on Friday um that we are under contract for our first house so that was pretty cool it was, it was a pretty cool start thank you sir Very um nice. so I, I like trying to learn about that was, was a lot to deal with um we had a week and then we uh came to came to Columbia Friday though uh came to the fam did a comedy show uh, with our friends at Random Tap Brewery, or not Brewery, it's a Random Tap, it's a bar in Elgin, South Carolina. It was actually a blast. Paige Cooper came out, um, she she actually just started doing stand-up, and they had us down there. There's uh, several people from the podcast showed up, one that nice. actually lived in Elgin. Um, that was really cool, so it was great to meet them. David brought a few of his buddies, and it, actually the set went really well. It was the first time I performed in front of Patty Sue. I went on for like 42 minutes and had like a very, very good set, which was cool. Nice. Um, because I was a little bit worried at first, <laughs> but about Patty Sue and, and the reaction, yeah. Well, and it and it was uh the the setup it was it looked so cool. It's like this really cool fun backyard area type place because the bar is like in an older house that's it's an incredible setup. It looked really cool, and they had this like stage area and they have cornhole and games and all this other stuff. But everyone brought their own lawn chairs, <laughs> like that was the that was the crowd, and everyone was like twenty feet away from the stage minimum. So it was, it was just awkward setup, but it went it went great. It was it was a great show, and then so. Uh, Saturday morning, um, me and my buddy Nick Via and uh, a friend Austin Kroll from Southern Charm, we threw this oh, tailgate. Yeah. At, um, we promoted it nonstop, obviously, and uh, it was at the Cockabooses, and it was, it was a lot of fun. We had a blast. The beer was fantastic. I'm not just saying that. Like, I'm not an IPA fan. It's a great beer from King's Calling Brewery. Uh, I was a little bit surprised because no one really, no one was out tailgating in South Carolina. Really? Until, until 1 o'clock. Because, like, it was, you think? I honestly have no idea. We, so we, I, because I wanted to get out there early, and we got a late start because they went to the Hootie concert the night before. Ooh, Hootie did like a three is. night concert in a row, three nights in a row, and uh, so they were like an hour and a half late picking us up. And I, you know, we get down there around like eleven, and there's just no one. And then we get there at twelve, no one. Remember um, the Grove last year? We got there like really, really early, and we're like, oh, people don't tailgate at like eleven or noon for a, for you know well, for a night. Or we got there at like one, I think, for a night game. And there's like nobody there yet, right? It's like, but well, when you got a three thirty kick, yeah, three thirty kicks a little bit different. Yeah, so I was I was surprised. There's a lot of Bama fans there too, but it was um, I was just kind of surprised because there weren't that many. Like I think Dove texted me. He's like, how's it going? I was like, oh, there's no one's no one's out tailgating at all. Like like the cockaboose next to us was empty, um, which was just kind of odd. But then next thing I know, like 15 minutes later, it's just jam-packed. <laughs> There's like a ton of our, our listeners and followers came out. It was Dang. awesome. Um, we had a blast. Like the, the tailgate was was legit. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and then we get to go into the stadium. Obviously, me and Ali got tickets. Um, great seats. And 
Steven Garcia, just electric, electric start to the day. The atmosphere man. was awesome. It was the before kickoff, man. That was so much fun. That, seeing Sandstorm, seeing 2001 Space Odyssey, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then and Garcia getting that crowd pumped up. That was that was a lot of fun. They did a flyover. Good, good for him, too. Good for yeah. Garcia. Like we, Obviously, like we had him on a few months ago, and he was great. Yeah, he's awesome. And, and like obviously it didn't work out at South Carolina and he had he had his fair share of issues off the field, but like seeing seeing that guy being able to to get that kind of love from that fan yeah. base was really, really cool. No, it was it was it was awesome. And it was um you know, I love Columbia. It was it was very, very hot. I will say the one down the one downside of what happened, we left to go into the stadium at like two forty five, three, probably three o'clock, I guess, to get in. And later that night, I'm waiting on my mother to pick me up, like a, a middle school Standard. date. And me and David Carr sitting there. We see the, the two bartenders that were, you know, we had hired for the uh, the cockaboo tailgate. And we're like, hey, man, thanks again. You guys were great. We appreciate it. And he's like, oh, thank you, man. I appreciate the koozie. He's like, hey, can I get an extra one? I gave the other one away to Terry Bradshaw when he walked in. What? I was like, excuse me? And he's like, yeah, Terry Bradshaw. I was like, he came in like right after you left. I was like, are you, what, how is this possible? Like, how is this? It was ridiculous. So, so Terry and, Bradshaw is somewhere right now, even though he's definitely doing his Fox pregame because I think that just started or yeah. is about to start. Somewhere, Terry Bradshaw is sitting there with an SDS koozie. I, yeah, chilling. exactly right. Wow. <laughs> it, was, it was ridiculous. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. That's, that's awesome. And the game itself, too, was, I mean, I think South Carolina fans, realistic, the realistic, practical South Carolina fans, that was sort of a best-case scenario because— Where, where are they not, at? Well, I, I'm, 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 there, there are plenty of practical South Carolina fans. I know, yeah, I know, true. y'all exist. Um, but I think watching that game, the things that they were hoping for, they wanted Ryan Helinski to look good. They wanted to have some sort of moments of life early on to make it feel like it was actually a game. And I yeah. understand that Bama ran away with it. The backdoor cover. We'll get to that in a little bit. Mother of God. But I think the biggest thing that they were that they were curious about was how is Ryan Helinski going to look because he is considered the future. When you're when you're a twenty six point or twenty five point dog, whatever it was, twenty five like, and a half, twenty five and a half point dog. Ryan Helinski's performance passed a lot of tests, and I thought the kid looked really, really good. All things considered, did so many things well. The throw that he had to Shy Smith was absurd and what? yeah maybe he shouldn't have thrown it in double coverage but to have this trust in that spot to be able to make it and, and it was an accurate throw to his credit it was a great throw and it was a great it, it, he, he hung in the pocket the whole time and there was just pressure like just breathing down his neck on that throw and shy smith made a hell of a catch i'm gonna say one thing and i don't want this to be taken out of context because this this could easily i'm, I'm not comparing him to this person to trust me i'm not doing that Ryan Helinski, the way that he kind of moves and the way that he kind of moves laterally in the pocket and the way that he evades pressure. Tom Brady, Jesus. It looks like Peyton Manning. It it looks like Peyton Manning, the way that he backpedals and the way that he squares his shoulders up. If you actually just like sit there and like just watch him throw and some of the things that he's able to do, I'm not saying he throws the accuracy. I'm not saying he's there's (laughs) drops. He falls to the ground whenever there's a guy within three feet of him. No, um, I'm the sheriff. But he did some of those things that I'm just like, he looks really, really good. Nothing about watching Ryan Helinski made me think true freshman getting his first start against an FBS opponent, which is happens to be Alabama. He was not scared at all. Nope. To me, that was the most encouraging thing for South Carolina fans watching that game. I So uh, you said this last week, and you like, I don't care if it's thrown against air. That's an impressive start for a freshman. Absolutely. And, and this is going to shock you, but people on the internet gave you backlash for it. Oh yeah, um, of course. and then if, and then this happened this week, and you know, like I think this kid's gonna be a star. I said to somebody, he's yesterday, their said, guy. He's their guy, no question. Helinski looks like every, and the whole team looks different. The whole mm-hmm. team looks different, absolutely. And, 
And there, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say speculate on this because I don't know if it's true or not. But there were the rumors of how Jake Bentley hurt his foot and and like his it was a, a selfish dumb thing that happened from from the rumors that have, that have floated around. About what did what did he pick? Yeah, exactly. And what so did, wait, so just clear clear it up there. Don't just tease it. The, the, all the rumors like from from especially in South Carolina, I heard it a bazillion times yesterday too. I heard it a couple weeks ago. I just I didn't I thought. It's, he apparently kicked uh, something in the locker room after the game, like they said it was on the last play of the game and you against UNC. I, I didn't, I didn't see. I've seen the last play of the game. From I didn't see him get injured on that play. We've also seen him kick things before, um, and like have outbursts on the sideline. So I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. Regardless, Ryan Helinski, he looks like everything that South Carolina fans thought Jake Bentley would progress into. That's a great point. Like yeah. as a, and I don't mean Jake Bentley as a freshman. I mean as a, a senior, what they thought he would progress into. That is what Ryan Helinski looks like at quarterback, and I tell you what, the entire team looks different with him. And the they are, they're higher. one. In, it's so somebody said it last night, and they were like, like they look like an eight and four team, and I was like, that sounds that sounds crazy because the one and two start and the, and the schedule. But you're right that they do look like a one and two team, and they looked they had, they were very impressive in in different facets of the game yesterday, and and you can just tell that the team is is like they found their leader, they found their guy that they believe in, and it was it was really fun to watch. It was really fun to watch. South Carolina's upside is definitely different with Helinski quarterback. By the way, that number three, holding up the number three um, in the third quarter there, yeah. was really, really cool touching really cool. moment. This The feature that they did in college game day on Ryan Helinski and his brother, um, Tyler, who, of course, committed suicide, the former Washington State quarterback. Really, really touching stuff. Here's here's the only issue that I have with that comment. South Carolina, and I understand it's the Bama receivers, the best group of receivers in the country, their defense is is not on that level yet. And they're no. not going to be able to slow down some of these some of these elite teams that they're going to run into. And they had some definite issues. And yeah, they were able to contain Bama in the running game. Kind of everybody's been able to do that so far. So I don't really think that that's that great of a feat, but I on the back end, they have they still have some major issues in, in that secondary and yeah. covering guys. It shouldn't it, it looked so and I, I saw the the comments Bama fans are like, this is just too easy because all you have to do is just run a slant route and it's seventy yards and gone. I mean, that's, right. that's not that's not you know conducive to an eight and four team. I mean, Henry Ruggs. No, no, I agree, but I'm just saying they look different and they are not going to play that team every single week. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. but Henry Ruggs, that play on that slant route was ridiculous. Oh, to Smith was incredible, and you know credit to them trying to take away Jerry Judy. But here's what I say about the run game: it is it's problematic, and Bama has a lot to work on. And and that's I think that's clear as day. The offensive line is nowhere near as good as I thought they'd be. I thought this was going to be a, a very good offensive line. It's not. There's a lot of holes. They they have pressure on Tua early. There was two sacks in the first quarter, and yeah, only 76 yards rushing. That seems problematic. Here's what I'll say to where it may it may not be that big of a deal. Did you notice that Tua was in the game late when we we're up by 24, throwing the ball still? Did you that's notice that? Saban knows the spread. He knows this. Yeah, exactly. Did you notice that? On first and five, at some point, I think in the third quarter, or maybe it was, uh, or in the first half, we were throwing fade routes to Devonta Smith instead of trying mm-hmm. to run the football. This is the offense now, guys. Like this is the offense. Yeah, yep. the run game is still important, and and they are going to still try to like you know Saban's going to try to run the football and and have a power run game, and and be balanced. But this is the offense now, and it's great. It, like it was. I loved. There were so many people that reached out to me yesterday telling me about how average Alabama looked. Um, because of how Gosh. they couldn't put this team away, and and I remember looking up, I was like, it is forty to sixteen. We've yeah, missed a field goal, we missed an extra point. I think we have so much to work on. The offensive line, you know, like they missed here and there, had eleven penalties. Most most penalties. Everyone that said Bama never gets Bama gets all the calls. Eleven penalties yesterday was the most they've had in an SEC game since two thousand fourteen for ninety two yards. I'm and I'm gonna go on this rant. So that <laughs> happened. That that happened, guys. These are all just stats that happened during the game. 
So there is a lot to work on, but when you're able to put a team away that early on the road in the SEC, at some point... Hostile atmosphere, yeah. That game was never close. That game yeah, was that I, game was never in doubt. I'll say that. That game was never in doubt. Yeah, it was close early on, and if the, the, the fake field goal, which was really, really cool, if that had, you know, they called it back for the holding penalty, if... Obviously, South Carolina fans are like, man, if we could have had that go our way. They ran way. all their highlights last night on the local news as, as one of the three highlights they showed. <laughs> and here's, here's what bothered me about it. It was a cool play. It was, it was a really cool play. Um, that happened literally like right, right in front of us because I was like, that's holding. But, so South Carolina fans, for the most part, are great. And you guys know how much I love Columbia. There were some things that happened this week that were over the line, like from stuff that was said about you know, one of our good friends that we've had on the podcast about a Bachelorette episode a while ago, and I'm not going to delve into it because it's going to piss me off. But, like, stuff that was said to her yesterday on social media, stuff that was said to, like, some of the players and the stuff that the student fans sections, the guy next to me, this is a true story. Everyone else around was pretty great, but he was just begging for a fight the entire game, just trying to instigate, like, this is BS, and every, everything was ref's fault, screaming Jeez. hollering. I gave him two SDS stickers at the end, like, at the end of the game, I was like, hey, man, thank you so much again. We had a great time. Helensky looks great. Like, y'all have a great season. He threw the stickers on the ground and said, y'all should have taken two out by now. And then stormed off. And it was like, just what is, like, what is going on, guys? Like, let's just all take a deep breath. It's week three. Pace yourselves. Just pace yourselves. Love each other for the love of God. And I'm sure South Carolina fans, that is that is very much the the, the minority of that. Um, want it real quick, that Najee Harris catch and run I, that that's as good of a play as, as he's made at Bama, where he just throws a defender off him and then, like, 10 steps later, hurdles that dude. Yeah. Um, Najee Harris, I understand, like, slow start in the running game, hasn't got going. Uh, I, he's good at football. I'll just say that. I'll just throw the, that out the, there. How they schematically analysis. got him open on offense yesterday was was a thing of beauty. And, and the, the, the touchdown to the – well, it should have been a touchdown. Uh, I can't believe we didn't bring up any of the calls, the, the USC – Oh, the knee down, the knee down at the end of the at the end of the first half, where yeah. Will Muschamp said, "I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I comment on that." Well, and people <laughs> were mad so about the great. holding call on the on the missed uh, on, mm-hmm. on the fake field goal too. But that, I mean, regardless, again, eleven penalties for ninety-two yards. Major Tennyson, if you saw the replay, he he actually tweeted out last oh, night. Oh, he was in bounds. He yeah. was in bounds, and it was never even reviewed. It was never even reviewed. But the way that play was the same exact thing where you put Najee on a wheel route, and then he came under because the the safety took Najee. And he's wide open. So I, th- I thought they did a great job in the passing game. And, and same with South Carolina. What a bad weekend for SEC officiating. By the way, that Twitter, the Twitter account, the SEC they officiating, they, they didn't tweet until like the, they had like one tweet early on where they, they showed like the official pairings, whatever it was. Right. And then they didn't tweet again until basically that play where at the end of the first half where I think it was Rico Dowdle, his knee, they ruled that his knee was down yeah. going into the end zone, and it definitely wasn't. And right. it pro- it should have been a touchdown. And how would you see that? They in, didn't in, even in like in like uh, what do you call it? Like in real time though. Oh you no know? no they should have they should have reviewed it. Yeah, that, that that's the big thing. They didn't even go to review in that spot, which was just strange because of the implications of what that that's meant. Um, and, and it was just. It was a bad weekend overall for SEC officiating, so it was funny that their first tweet didn't even come until then, and then they they automatically are just gonna like that account is just gonna stand by the officials. All they're gonna do is just say like, oh, that you know we didn't have there wasn't there wasn't enough evidence to overturn that call, and that's why they didn't even review it. It's like, oh, you made that decision yeah. in that like in that ten second split, like give me a break. So well, it's, it's it's just so maddening, like in general, with like the way officiating is is like gone to now, and like we talked about this last week with the, the Vandy player that was ejected for targeting because 
of, of whatever it was, like he the the helmet to helmet contact against Purdue, and and they I remember putting this up on Twitter. They asked the they have all these in game like a you know expert like official experts or like Dean Blandino, yeah, exactly. And he was like, they, they asked the question. He goes, would you do you take into account the fact that the runner lowered his head, and that's why the crown of the helmet? He said, so that's a good question. No, we do not take that into account. It's like this, what it's this is so a basic part of football, right? Exactly, and it's just it's it's like yeah, you get it. Like they're trying to like you know, help out in the long run with, with with head injuries and all that kind of stuff and keeping the game safe. It's it's they gotta figure they gotta figure out a better way. Cause it's it awful. is they're they're just put, inserting themselves in the games way too often. Yeah, it, it it's still it's still a big problem. Believe it or not, the Twitter yeah. account has not solved all the issues that go along with, with targeting. Um okay. Theme of the day, as I said before, it was you know, we talked about Ryan Halinski, we talked about Kyle Trask. The theme of the day in the SEC was new quarterbacks making these big impressions. And I understand that Nick Starkle's not a new quarterback, but it was his first start at Arkansas. Chad Morris made the announcement, much to the delight of many Arkansas fans. And believe it or not, Arkansas looked really good with Nick Starkle as the starting quarterback and not shuffling back and forth between he and Ben Hicks. Nobody nobody saw that coming at all. I, everybody was stunned. Nobody could believe that Nick Starkle was playing really, really well. Just kidding. Everybody thought that was going to happen. Yeah. And everybody was like, Chad Morris, you idiot. Why did you wait so long to do this? What I did, Okay, what I did not see happening, I, and I didn't put this in my locks for our picks, but I, I did say how I, I liked the under in the first half Ooh. for Arkansas at 33.5 because these teams were averaging tw- like 20 total points combined in the first half of games this season. And... <laughs> and Arkansas hasn't scored at all. They put 28 up on Portland State, and they they covered. They scored 38 combined points in the first quarter. Yeah, there, yeah, there was it was seven seven with with 13 minutes left in the first quarter. This game was. I mean, I, I had said you know I I wanted to wait and see with Arkansas before saying that they were going to cover. And I was, I was just a little bit more like, all right, let's see what the offense can actually look like. That's what the offense can actually look like. When you yeah. get the ball to your, to your playmakers, you know, Burks and Knox, those guys were able to really get going. And then the play that Cheyenne O'Grady made, I don't know if you saw this. Good God. I, maybe even more impressive than what Najee Harris did. Because, Absolutely yeah, not, it's, but. Well, let's get to Colorado State. So take it for what it is. But had like 13 Colorado State defenders. I realized that 13 defenders are not on the field what at the same time. What were they doing? But it looked like it. Uh, I don't know what they were they all trying like to do. They looked like an offensive line, like like po- trying to push the pile. Like they like, like the they rugby scrum. Like, what are you? Yeah, exactly. It made no. That was bad. That was real bad. Uh, and but but credit O'Grady because he yeah. was able to break free from that, and that's that's the upside that we've talked about. He's had some disciplinary issues with that team, but man, I mean, he he is special when he's able to do things like that, and that's such a big weapon for for. Nick Circle to have good yeah. for Arkansas for actually being able to you know beat an FBS team and a team that that humiliated them last, them last year. year. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I tell you what, it, like this is like this, we're not making a joke here. Like this, this is a big win for Arkansas. And I tell you what, the most impressive thing about it is is the fact that yeah, there's some they gave up a lot of points on defense, whatever. But like your offense was able to finally do what we thought a Chad Morris offense could do, and everybody, everybody was involved. Your quarterback goes for over 300 yards. You have Rakeem Boyd has over 120 yards and yep. over six yards of carry and two touchdowns. Like the freshman receivers all looked good. Traylon Burks finally gets on, you know, gets going a little bit. That, it was it was good to see. Yeah, Ole Miss and Arkansas were the two teams that you kind of looked at and you're like, all right, are these teams actually going to be able to show up and impose their will against l- much lesser competition. Ole yeah. Miss had a tougher time getting the distance and they needed an interception late to be able to pull away in a game that they should have won. By the way, Jerry Neely, huge, huge day. He and Scotty Phillips both had nice days for the Rebels. The other new QB face that I wanted to touch on, 
the Fighting Joe Moorheads did not have the best Saturday. And I know people yep. were tweeting at me, not a good look for them. I, I get all that. Um, Garrett Schrader, the bearded Garrett, Garrett Schrader, the overhit on that, by the way, the references to his beard and the Ryan sure. Fitzpatrick thing, definitely hit. Because he came in and relieved Tommy Stevens, who, you know, I, I'm going to defend Tommy Stevens a little bit here Why? just because I don't think he 100% looked like himself. It, no, he he looked like a guy who was trying to play through injuries. Yes, he made some really nice throws in this game. The throw that he had to Osiris Mitchell in the end zone was absurd. That that catch that he had at the end of the first half was ridiculous. But Tommy Stevens was overthrowing dudes. He was making fumbles that he doesn't usually do. And so Garrett Schrader, the true freshman, comes in. And he had this, this play that is one of the great viral moments, I think, so far of the 2019 season where it was fourth down. And he decided on fourth and 16 that he was going to tuck it and run. They were down in that game late. And he just gets spun around like a helicopter by a couple of Kansas State defenders. Yeah, and it was beautiful. It was like wild. something from Blades of Glory. The images that came out of that were, were tremendous. But so, I, I, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, like, I hated the fact, like, I was watching Fox a little bit later, the, the Fox postgame show. And, like, Urban Meyer and Reggie Bush were ripping him for it. They're like, just tuck it and run, man. Or just, just slide. I'm like, Urban, it's fourth down. He's laying it all on the line right, right. here. Like this is, we should be praising this kid for just deciding. quit. Just fake a uh, heart attack and quit, dude. Just oh, you went there. I did. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say like I give the kid so much credit for deciding in that moment. Like, hey, I'm just gonna risk it all and I'm just gonna leap five yards away and try and make that play. Even yeah. though Mississippi State lost that game, and that's a frustrating loss. Undisciplined play a lot. You look at a moment like that, and I, I like the way that Tommy Stevens was at least you know the morale that he had on the sideline. So I thought it was positive. Like. Mississippi State, it could be a whole lot worse. Could be a whole lot worse. I'll just say. No, that. I agree. And they, and they just look so bad. And like the he he didn't look great, but like you're at home. I mean, like I know it's an 11 a.m. kick, which is awful, but like you're at home. You got beaten all three phases of the game. That, yeah, they that's did. Just the they definitely line. did. And that's and and that defensive line. You know, like I mean, they didn't give up a lot of yards. Like that was one thing. But it's like at the same time, like you don't want to hang your hat on that because. Yeah, sure, okay. Like you, you gave up 269 yards and you outgained them by almost nice. 100. But like, yeah, nice. But you, if that happens, you still can't get beat by them. Like you got Kansas State basically gift wrapped. They had, they kept fumbling punts. I mean, they they, they gift wrapped so many opportunities. That was a very very winnable game for Mississippi State. And the way that it ended too, in just bizarre fashion, where like. Garrett Trader, I mean, I understand he's a true freshman in this moment, but like they, they, they threw a throw to I can't remember who it was, but like they like didn't even get out of bounds he and it just either. had this awkward anticlimactic ending, and it was, yeah. it was strange. Kylan Hill was relatively bottled up for the for most of the afternoon, was seeing a lot of eight man boxes uh, as well. Not the biggest day for him. Not definitely not what he did last year against right. Kansas State. Thought he'd be able to do more, but they were game planning to shut him down. And this for Mississippi State. This this is tough because the road the road gets tougher. Obviously, Kansas State played really well. Kansas State's undefeated to start the year. Credit them. Chris Kleiman's team absolutely showed up in this one, but kind of a little bit of a of a weird situation. Touch and go moving forward. Tommy Stevens, I still expect to be the guy. I think he just needs yeah. to get right. He needs to be healthy for that team to be able to do what he needs to do. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, there's just I think it's you always you say this to me about gambling, and I didn't like it when you said it, but you always say water finds its level. We're, you know, it's week, it's week three, guys. We are starting, to, and next week we have almost all SEC play, so we oh, are starting to get into it. So there were new new QBs making big impressions, I thought, in the SEC. But I thought yesterday was a little bit more of an example of that there is a clear, clear top three quarterbacks in yeah. the SEC. 
between Tua, Jake Fromm, and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, the LSU got off to a little bit of a slow start, but poured it on. He still ended up having over 400 total yards and I think four touchdowns in that game. You but, think anybody uh, was uh, freaking out and sending out mass texts and saying LSU was overrated because they were playing Northwestern State and didn't look good? I, I I feel like that was that was happening. I was getting I was getting a couple tweets about. Were that. you really? Like, yeah, like oh LSU really really looks like a top five team early. I was like. Let's, let's chill, man. Yeah. Let's chill. So, like obviously, <laughs> it's early in the second quarter and it's close. I, I get all that. Like, let, let's, let's give me sixty minutes, okay? Just right. Calm I'm, down. I made the joke uh, about how I guess Northwestern State, when it was close, is the second best team in the Big Twelve. Oh, that was good. And I got a DM and said, "It's that's not the right Northwestern State." And I was like, "I swear to God, if there is a third Northwestern school, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna lose it." <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think those those three quarterbacks. And by the way, Jake Fromm looked. Really, really good. He that throw great. that he had to the throw that he had to George Pickens was exactly like what you were talking about. Where, yep. Um, and we'll talk about this a little bit more. We're going to talk a lot of Georgia and Notre Dame this week. But the throw that he had to George Pickens was a back shoulder throw that he did this little tiptoe thing, and it was it was a perfect moment. Our editor C Wright wrote about what he wanted to see from Georgia going into this game yep. as a tune up for Notre Dame. And Jake Fromm made this throw to, to George Pickens where it was classic Jake Fromm, back shoulder, and then Pickens did, I, I don't know the, the type of move that he made on the ball. You just can't teach it. But to right. me, that showed that the rapport between those two guys is at a better place than maybe we thought in week one when he yeah. couldn't get anything going and he was struggling. So a really, it's really good get sign better for too. Georgia to see that. Absolutely. Yeah. That, and by the way, Burrow is completing 83% of his passes. Goodness Think about that. Gracious, Through man. three games. like he, That's craziness. His numbers over the middle are absurd too. I think Cody Worsham, I think, threw out a tweet about that. Like he is basically automatic throwing over the middle of the yeah. field, which is not always the easiest thing to do for oh, a quarterback. And shout out to Georgia fans, by the way, for the uh, wear pink for Wendy. Um, and very that was, cool. That was really cool. That was really cool. As much as very as much as I was very downtrodden yesterday with all of the hate on social <laughs> media and the gambling stuff we'll get to, um, there were some really cool things that happened this week in the SEC with the fans. Absolutely, and then Tennessee things as well as the, we talked about with the the um, the T-shirts of the bullied Florida elementary right. school kid, uh, getting to see those as well. Let's talk about some gambling, Uncle Chris. Your our 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 staff picks in the the weekly staff I'm picks up. that we come out with not great. Let's just not talk about those because eh, I'm, so, be I'm over it. I'm like I'm genuinely pissed. But in the picks that you're actually putting money on the line, Uncle right. Chris sitting pretty right now. Yeah, so I got so you guys know I run purely based off of emotion. Um, I was I was like bummed because I think like I saw the Arkansas thing happen. I saw like I, I think I put out some of my picks yesterday and like I thought the the over would hit for Arkansas State and UGA. Missed that. Then missed the first half of Bama like pushed, and then I missed something else. Like I missed something. Uh, the the Bama beat late in in Florida. You tweeted like, too early on the on the Bama on Bama covering when South Carolina still had plenty of garbage time left. You knew that they were going to try and cover in that spot. Call me crazy, Connor. I just thought that maybe that defense <laughs> would not give up an eighty yard drive with less than two minutes to go. But um, no, so that that was uh, I, I didn't. I was like just kind of pissed because like I know those staff picks and I complain about this a lot because I hate doing them because on Wednesdays that's when we have to submit them and the lines change by so much and you guys might think I'm just upset or sour grapes. I went one in five against the spread in our staff picks. Do you know how I did that, Connor? One, because the Florida line that we had was at seven and a half, and it changed ah, to eight and a half by, dang, or up to nine right. or ten by game time. So that's crazy how that's turn of events when you have a touchdown that scores with, let me look at my notes here. Uh, oh, yeah, 33 seconds to go. Also, so like it was, and the Bama bad beat, like they covered the second half over, the over, and the, um, uh, and the first half spread, or I'm sorry, and the overall spread. 
with that touchdown two minutes ago. I'm not. I I didn't think that it was targeting. Like I I don't know how you make that call at, at the end of the game. I I just thought it was kind of a, a garbage. There was a play right before that that was was much more egregious, and they didn't call it. And the the flag came out pretty late. I that, so that was on fourth down. You give South Carolina a first down, and this became just a theme of the day where they scored a touchdown to cover with 15 seconds left. Florida scored a touchdown to cover with 33 seconds left. Auburn covered with two minutes and 27 seconds. Arkansas. Five minutes and 32 seconds left in the game. Wow. Clemson, uh, that was with less than 40 seconds in the game late as well. It was just crazy. The entire day was like that. Clemson covered, right? Clemson covered. They scored a they scored a uh, touchdown like in garbage time. Like I mean, I had him at 27 and a half, and it was already 28. But a lot of people had him at 28 and a half because um, that's what the line moved up to throughout the week. And they scored a touchdown with 48 seconds left. So it was just a crazy day for gambling. However... I, sh- I shouldn't have doubted us. I don't know why I got so in my head about those bad picks because we, who cares? We oh, were undefeated. Our locks of the week are take it, take it to the bank. It's it's guaranteed that we are off to a fire, fire start. Last week was the, I said the, the lock of the week was Army plus 22 at Michigan. Yeah, I'm going to pat myself on the back for yeah. that one more time just because I said it six days in advance. They almost the went outright, the Connor. Yeah, almost went outright. Not just, just saying, just throwing it out there. And then the pick that did win, outright that i threw at you early on texted our boss about this yeah this this is money in the bank i knew arkansas or not arkansas arizona Arizona state State. was gonna cover plus plus 14 at michigan state that line actually moved up to i think 15 and a half or something like that and there were a lot of people there's eight points throughout the week it moved up eight total points throughout the week there are some people in this business we'll just say that were hammering hammering Michigan State to cover that big of a spread. Said that Arizona State wasn't going to be able to do off- anything offensively. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, but still, Michigan State's offense is is a train wreck. Yeah. That was that was obvious, the fighting Herm Edwards. Credit to Herm, man. I mean, we, we've, made, we've had our fair share of fun with him, but for them to be able to pull out that game, weird ending, too, with the whole, like, you know, Michigan State kicker makes the kick, then they had 12 guys on the field, and oh then they had God. to kick it again, and then the Arizona State guy hurdles the line of scrimmage, which yeah. you're not supposed to be able to do. Mark D'Antonio was really upset about that. Mark D'Antonio should probably be a little bit more focused on the fact that his offense is complete and utter crap, and that his, his, his offensive staff that he shuffled around, I'm getting into too much Big Ten Yeah, stuff. I don't do the Big Ten thing. I think that's why I thought that, so yesterday when you sent me that text, I thought Duff was making fun of you for some reason. No, 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 I, just, no. I had it in my Grace. head. I made the whole graphic, and I you said it on the podcast several times, but for, I still had it in my head. That it was Michigan State that you'd picked, I think, because the Big Ten. No, no. Um, so no. So I didn't realize until this morning, even. Like again, uh, neg- I'm sorry for being negative about the bad beats because it's just a crazy, crazy <laughs> amount of bad beats like throughout the day uh, and weekend. But I went eight two and I went, I think, on the weekend ten three and one, and I was eight two and one yesterday. Make you sir, money. you sir, we like our our locks of the week that we put up on on social media for like the podcast. You had uh, Arizona State plus fourteen. They won outright, and. and Again, so that's two weeks in a row. Connor has said his lock of the week, just one, which is a bold pick to just take one team, and they've both one on one outright. The other one probably should have with Army. So I think we're gonna do a new a new segment that that our boss Kevin Duffy threw yeah. out there. Big Big Ten lock of the week, and I'm not I won't sit here and you know I, I'm I'm just trying to make the people money. I'm trying to make our let's listeners just, some we'll money. We'll do lock of the locks of the week, and you just pick a Big Ten. So let's not call it Big Ten locks of the week. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Connor's Connor's lock of the week. It's a new but segment. no, I mean. It's, it's incredible. It's awesome. And then we, I, I, I told you Ohio State minus seven and a half in the first half. That line got Which all the way up to money. ten. But yeah, 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 sir. You told me to stay away from that. the other line. I, I was scared. I was very scared about that because the way that 
the past the past two games in Bloomington have gone, and right. Justin Fields came out. I know Georgia fans are looking at Justin Fields like right now and going, uh, yeah, he looks. He's, I mean, he's really good. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that whole team is really good too, and I think. Uh, so I, I had that. I took the Florida money line because um, it was. I mean, when you could get it, because the line got all the way up to like nine before kickoff, and then I told you A and M over Lamar was the was the lock. Forty three. They won like sixty something to, to three. Um, so that Lamar's was money. A person. Lamar's a person. That guy's name was Lavar, by the way. I'm an idiot. And then the last <laughs> one was uh was Oklahoma um, minus twelve and a half in the first half against UCLA, and they were up. They won. Uh, they were up thirty four ten at halftime. So. We're five and zero from this oh. week. Eight and zero in the past two weeks. Without Every single weeks. one of y'all that's in our mentions talking about these staff picks, come see us. Come see us, because we, you know, we, we have to make those picks. Those are requirements. But we're yeah. actually putting our neck on the line and being like, hey, this is this is what we feel really right. good about. This so, is what I'm going to put that, my actual money on. Yeah, that's that's all that really matters, right? Also, uh, shout out to Barrett Lee though, who was 34 and 12. He they have to pick the entire top 25 dang. on CBS. He was they're thirty four and twelve in the first two weeks, which is incredible. Jeez, that's so. really really good. Let's do a little guess the line. I haven't so I know that some of these have probably already come out by the time that people are listening to these. These lines are already going to be out, but keep in mind that we are recording this on Sunday morning, so we don't necessarily know the way that all these things are going to go. Some of these games have had lines out there before, but I think they could they could have changed a lot in the last couple of weeks. I haven't seen necessarily these lines since the season started. So yeah, let's start with San Jose State. And Arkansas, my guess is that Arkansas is going to be favored 13 and a half points. I, yeah, I get, I don't, so. Is that not enough? I don't think that's enough. Because, so, uh, another reason I'd say is because Colorado State is a more respectable program than, than San Jose State, right? Yeah, definitely. But, but they, and they were, in Arkansas, for whatever reason, after looking like crap in the first few games, they were, they were favored by 10 points. And the line, like, kind of went up in their favor. So, San Jose State. Hold on, they're one and one. I I don't know anything about them. I I'm I would say fourteen is seventeen and a half is probably right. Yeah, I thought about going a little bit higher, and then I thought to myself, you know what? Still an Arkansas team that has struggled against FBS opponents, and maybe yeah. still a little bit of a wait and see type thing. That might be a lot to ask of them, despite the good start. Southern Miss and Bama. So. I probably went a little bit low on this. I probably could have gone higher, but I kept thinking, ah, Southern Miss. I, I keep going back to that Auburn game last year where they were able to hang around. And then they lost to Mississippi State by 22 to start off the year, or in, in week two, rather. I have Bama minus 36. Um, that's probably too high. I think, it, I, would think I would say 31 and a half. Because so it, Bama's going to be favored more than... To, to beat Duke than at a neutral site than Southern Miss at home? I, I would think so. because So when Southern Miss is playing Mississippi State, um, and that's a program that's like, I, I don't know. like I mean, Saban is pretty good against the spread in the month of September. Um, but what, what were they favored against Mississippi State? Like 18? Uh, yeah, I think it was definitely three scores. And I remember yeah. Betty Miss, Southern, or I remember saying that Southern Miss was going to cover a three-score spread. I just remember just like wiping, and brushing my long hair, saying, "Look at that balloon." <laughs> um, no, so I, I would say thirty-one and a half because I mean, Bama's been like a covering machine. I just I don't think in this spot. I, I think the Vegas had some pretty good respect for for Southern Miss. I think okay. I could be wrong. Okay, you're better at uh, this than me for these these predictions. So eh, it's it's a new year though. That was all last year. That's all in the past. Tennessee and Florida. One a game that has some some different type of implications now that we're going to have Kyle Trask instead of Felipe Franks. 
I struggled with this. I struggled with this. I could be way off. I could be off by a touchdown on this. Tennessee is just so, so tough right now just because they've only beat an FCS team. And the Chattanooga game obviously was way, way different than their first two weeks. I have Florida minus 14 and a half with I the hook. I think that's perfect. I think that's, really? I think that's Well, so I would say it's either going to be 14 and a half or 11 and a half. And the reason why is because so this thing was all over the place. It was, it was at 10 to start the year. And then it was up to 18, like in favor of Florida. But now with Felipe Franks being out, and then mm-hmm. Tennessee has signs of life, I think fourteen and a half, especially at home, is is uh, in Gainesville. Yeah, I mean because Tennessee's look bad, and they haven't even been on the road yet. So true. Yeah, so I, I think fourteen and a half is is probably perfect. Yeah, just the like the, I threw out the stat, and I actually got it wrong the other day. Um, that Florida has it's, it's actually since the start of twenty eighteen, including the game last night against Kentucky. They have played in seven SEC East games. They have been trailing in the fourth quarter. Yes. In at least six of them. And then the one that they weren't, of course, was last year when they destroyed Tennessee in Knoxville. So maybe Tennessee gets... I don't think Tennessee's going to get the benefit of the doubt on that one. Florida's (laughs) going to be close. Florida Florida will end close to a uh, three-score favorite, especially with the way that Kyle Trask played. Yeah. I think that'll definitely impact it. LSU and Vandy. Weird matchup. Um, we know that LSU fans are going to travel to Nashville. That that is, there's no doubt. That, they're going to. I can't wait for that. Those storylines are going to be the best. Vandy coming off of a bye week. Do you think I have LSU minus twenty? Uh, I think it's. I think it's probably low. I I, I would set it at 24 and a half, 25 because of the fact that. I, and I'm really interested to see this too because I want to see how it compares with how Vegas gave Georgia their line exactly, against Vandy, exactly. and then I want to rub it in all the faces of people who said we were wrong for putting even mentioning LSU in the same breath as Georgia because I think they're they're both very good teams. Um, I'm going to say 24 and a half, and, and and one of the reasons why too is we didn't know as much about Vandy when Georgia played them as we do now, and we True. saw how much they struggled against the pass against uh, Purdue, and just I mean just with a decent offense, and they're gonna they're gonna get housed with with against LSU. That's yeah. That's an interesting point too about the the passing game struggles. You do have a bye week to be able to kind of figure some things out, yeah. but that's still just. I think we've seen a lot of, of a lot of ways that Vandy can get exposed um, on the back end, at least in defense. Yeah. So yeah, I would, uh, if that if that line creeps below twenty, I'd be very very surprised with how good LSU's offense has looked, especially in the passing game. Cal and Ole Miss. Cal, of course, went into Washington, beat the fighting Jacob Eason's. Tough team to kind of figure out because they're a defensive, they're a defensive-minded team with Justin Wilcox, their head coach. They beat Ole Miss a couple years ago when Shea Patterson was starting in that game. Tricky to figure out because Ole Miss they had some defensive issues in that in that um, game this past weekend. I have Cal minus four and don't feel good about it. Yeah, you shouldn't. There's no way they're going to favor a Pac-12 team on the road in the SEC over. And Cal's good. This is going to be a very frustrating really? game. This is this is going to be one of those games where we're going to we're going to get so much crap on social media about about uh, the SEC not being that strong because Cal could win this game. I think they could win the game by four points. Like it's, it'll be a good game. Their defense is is really good. Um, their secondary is like one of the, one of the best in the. I think it's actually the best in the Pac-12. Um, I, like this is gonna be a frustrating game. I, I think that it's good. this line's gonna move. Yeah, a lot. Think gonna be, you think I think Ole Miss, Ole Miss is favorite. Be they're at home and wow. they've looked better. They're two and one. I mean, so think about this for Ole Miss. Their only loss is against a team that so many people, Memphis, they've, they held them to fifteen total points, and everyone thought that Memphis had this massive, like, incredibly high-powered offense and they're a, a potential New Year's Six team. 
and they only lost 15 to 10. And we thought we have not thought highly of Ole Miss. So I, I, I think it's going to be Ole Miss, I'll say two and a half. And they let up 29 points at home to an FCS team. But uh, yeah, that that's also there. true, but... Um, yeah, that, that line I think is going to, is going to go all over the place. It's going to be really tough to figure out. I, if, if, if you're giving me points with Cal, I would, I would take that Mm -hmm. in a heartbeat. Very interesting matchup. Kind of a, where do we stand type of game for both of these teams? Auburn travels to college station, take on A&M. I've got Auburn as a two point favorite. Am I dead wrong? No, no, you're, you're off by a point and a half. It'll be three and a half. Auburn favored by three. It'll be and a half. Auburn three and a half, and they okay. uh, and it might move up to like four and a half or something like that. Um, I think maybe like during the game, this will be a lot like the Oregon line. Yeah, um, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. Defensively, Auburn is, seems like a better team, but like it, it, honestly, you know what? It, this could be a thing where it kind of moves back down because this line has moved like all over, and, and and recently they like Westgate came out with like their game of the year lines, like the line movements, like it's like an update from week three, and Auburn. A lot of theirs had come, had changed, like and, and gone away from Auburn. It's like so, mm-hmm. as, as high as Vegas thought of them before the season, for whatever reason, they might not be as high on them now. Um, I think three and a half though is, is probably the line. This will be, I mean, it'd be really interesting to see what, what that offensive line is going to look like against that defensive front, especially after mm-hmm. we saw Mon playing under pressure at, at Clemson. Yeah, because the Brent Venables blitz packages that were going into that game, that was kind of the blueprint to be able to slow down and yeah. easier said than done. And we don't, Derek Brown had a weird exit from that game. It was like he left because he was fatigued or something like that. I saw that in the postgame comments. I don't, I don't know. know, but Auburn obviously needs a player of his caliber to be able to, to shut down a, a more than capable AM offense on the road. South Carolina and Mizzou. I had my crystal ball, South Carolina, going into Mizzou and winning this game. That was before, obviously, we knew what was going to develop with the whole Ryan Helsinki conversation. But I've got Mizzou favored by four and a half. That might be a little bit too much. No, I think that's, I think that's probably spot on. I, I, like, first off, I think your crystal ball, I'd be more comfortable with it now with uh, Helsinki being with the quarterback. With starting, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think this will be a five and a half. So I can hate it the whole time. This game's at Mizzou, right? And yep. it's it's a revenge game. Um, you know what? Actually, no. I, I bet it'll be I bet it'll be right around like six and a half. Six and a half is what I'll say. A touchdown. Mizzou, Mizzou is a is probably a very tough team to bet on right now. Yeah. I would not. I mean, it, look at the sample size. So from week one to week two, they obviously had such a big change, and then oh, you just face an FCS team, and nobody really cares that much. Right. But well, well, they set the line for it, and it was only like thirty points, and they won fifty to nothing. I don't even. Know how, I mean. Anyway. Yeah, South Carolina has some issues on the back end. If Kelly Bryant's able to expose that, that game could could get ugly potentially yeah. for South Carolina. But I, I just hope that game is like what it was last year. Remember, Will Muschamp just wet like a dog when it monsooned I hate, That uh, game was Columbia. ridiculous, man. That was fun to that's, watch. That's, oh, that was a, a lot of fun to watch. We had like 58-yard kicks and Dude, monsoons. Like after and, an hour and a half break, just comes out great. cold and hits it. Kentucky, Mississippi State. Got, you know... A lot, my, my, my two my two guys, my two coaches. We got Stoops and Moorhead battling it out. I hate to see this. It's like oh yeah, you know, you're, we gonna pick a tie. Pick pick it between your kids. You don't like this. Um, I think despite the fact that Mississippi State had those issues against Kansas State, really kind of playing bend but don't break defense. That they have some issues definitely. I, I think in the front seven um, and playing without Cam Dancer in that game did not do them any favors against nope. Kansas State. I think Mississippi State's going to be favored by five and a half, and that's not to say that they're definitely going to cover, 
But I just think that Vegas is still not necessarily giving Kentucky the props that it deserves. Yeah. And I think that it'll give Mississippi State more love at home in that atmosphere. That That's the biggest thing is that at home. Um, I can tell you right now, my, my feeling on this is taking Kentucky outright because they seem like they were pissed about what happened last night. I don't hate that. And and, and what I saw from Mississippi State, I didn't look great. So um, I would say... Yeah, like three and a half, four seems about right because they are at home. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where that line goes. I, I bet you the line, hopefully, it goes in favor of Mississippi State. I, I'm just gonna just hammer Kentucky. Yeah, it'll be. It would be not not great for either coach in terms of what they're trying to build, the culture they're trying to continue to establish. To start off with an zero and two mark against power five teams for right. either Stoops or Moorhead, that would not be the best look for either of them. Game of the week. Game, one of the games of the year, um, I think I had it like number two in terms of games that I was most looking forward to in this entire season behind yeah. behind LSU in Texas, Notre Dame, Georgia. Hopefully our good friend Wes is going to be able to watch, share that letter right. with your mother-in-law, get out of moving at night, doing that weird stuff, whatever. I know that there's been a line out for this, but I haven't looked at the line since the season has started, and that obviously can change things. Yeah. Georgia minus 14 and a half. What do you think about that? Um, I think it's going to get up to that. It's it's gonna it's I think start at like, lower. It's so it opened at like nine and a half to start the year, and it's up to eleven and a half. I, I'm gonna say it's gonna open today at eleven and a half or twelve, and it's gonna get up to fourteen and a half. And and I don't. This is one of those things where like it could get up to twenty, and I would probably still just I'm putting everything on Georgia. Everything they're gonna they're going that place. Like people don't understand how lit Athens can be for a night game because they don't ever get to have these like premier premier night games for whatever sure. reason. Like like you know the Auburn game last year, that environment all day was so much fun. Um, but they don't they have they've played more noon kicks than any other team in the SEC. Uh, in since I don't think it's since 2014, but whatever the stat was, it's been 14 noon kicks. Okay, way more than Bama. Way the more. The five bomb producers threw that out there. I think the other day. Yeah, it was. It was, it was interesting. Too. It wasn't what the argument was from Greg Byrne. It was day games. He didn't say noon kicks, but regardless, gotcha. so it's, gotcha. it's fun how that works out. But anyway, they have fourteen noon kicks. This is going to be. This has never happened in Athens, Georgia. This is never. And this is. They have been so excited for this for so long. That place is going to be electric, and drunk, really drunk. <laughs> yeah, we talked to our our good buddy. Uh, we, we talked to our good buddy Candler Cook earlier this year about like, oh, hey, like we'd love to be able to like come up, catch George game with you. He's like, perfect. Let me know. Any game except the Notre Dame game because that game right. is going to be absolutely nuts. Um, Georgia, I would expect to be – I would expect them to, to get closer to that three-score favorite just because – as long as as long as they're healthy, that's that's the issue yeah. with with them. As long as they're healthy, if I, I don't know what the the status is with uh, Isaiah Wilson too on the offensive line, if they're going to be able to get him back, I haven't looked close enough in, into that yet. We're going to break down that matchup a lot though this week, and I'm sure we're going to play up all the angles. Um, but before we talk about a certain friend that we didn't get to visit with last week, can you tell us about our other friend, good old Pete? Good old Pete. Um, guys, yeah, each and every week I tell you how, how much I love the sweet nectar that is that burnt orange sauce that just, I yearn for every single week. Uh, Texas Pete hot sauce. Yearn for it. Yearn for the burn, baby. That is, that's the theme for this week. That's probably something you shouldn't, you should probably get a doctor to check that out if if you're doing that. Regardless, um, yeah, so we, you guys have been great sending us all these pictures, uh, under the hashtag sauce like you mean it, checking out. All the different recipes they already have online at texaspeat.com slash tailgating. Uh, I was introduced, introduced to this yesterday, and this is it wasn't the uh, standard recipe on the Texas Pete website, but it was very good. Connor, I had a Bloody Mary yesterday. 
I had a sip. Ugh. I had a sip of a Bloody Mary yesterday. Ugh. Why? And because somebody had Texas Pete with it, and they brought it to the oh, tailgate, gotcha. and is let me just let me <laughs> add on a little little cherry on top, and I was like, please don't put a cherry inside of tomato juice because I'm gonna kill you. And he just said a little little dab, little dab will do you of Texas Pete, and it was great. It was fantastic. I didn't. Ha- I mean, it brought me right back to life from the long Friday night. So, um, put it in your Bloody Mary, put it on your fried chicken, put it on your grilled chicken if you're trying to be healthy. I don't know why you would, because it's the season. Regardless, make sure you send all of your pictures of tailgating and your tailgating recipes to us under the hashtag Sauce Like You Mean It. There you go. The only way out. The only way I would drink a Bloody Mary ever, ever, is if it was doused in Texas Pete. That's it. I, I forgot who it was that said it this weekend, but somebody said. Flat out, they go. Oh yeah, you guys are the ones about the uh, who hate who hate Bloody Marys. F you. <laughs> yeah, like I was like, yes, okay, my, my bad. Um, too short to drink tomato juice. That's what I always say. Yeah, they, they were um, very very passionate about that. So, do we? Is Cocho available, or is he? He's he's off doing something. He's preparing. He, yeah. Is he preparing for he's Nashville. At, he Cocho. Listen, guys, Cocho. It's been a long week for all of us. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I I don't know what escrow means. I'll be honest. With this new house that we're getting. I have no no clue what that means. So I, basically, every time we go to the house, I've just been walking around hitting stuff, saying this is "good bones," this house has got good bones, <laughs> um, which is a very creepy thing to say. So uh, I have Cocho looking over our our uh, you know our contract right now. He's trying to help me pronounce some words and, and learn you know what all that means. He's got multiple houses, right? I'm sure. So, he so he's he's also I'm I'm taking him with me uh, when we try to get approved for like the uh, the final loan. So it'd be you know. Just oh, get some okay. muscle in there. So, Coach O, he'll be back later. Um, but okay. we do He's have... He's going to co-sign the lease with you. Yes, without a doubt. We're going to send it together, yeah. like hold it like the, that scene in Ghost, but with a pen. Um, okay. So, we do have fourth and wrong questions uh, from you guys on the Facebook group. So, let's see here. Our first question from Bobby Burchins. What is the home repair you're most likely to do yourself and the one you're most likely to call a company for? I'll be honest. I'm I'm terrible with this stuff. Most home repairs, I'm just I'm I'm calling somebody. My wife is very very handy. She is extremely handy. We got a drawer that's broken. She's gonna go right in there yeah. and fix it. We got something wrong with you know the toilet or something like that. She's gonna be able to go right there and fix it. She grew up in her defense. She grew up with like her dad was very very good with that stuff. Knows the ins and outs of of everything. And we usually just kind of like call on him. My dad. That, that wasn't his main thing. He had other skills. That wasn't necessarily one of them, like the handy around the house. I'm going to show my kids like how yeah. to necessarily fix everything. So I'm probably the person that if if, if Lauren can't do it, I'm just going to call call somebody to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a uh, that's bad. I, I realize same. that's a tough. Life I, for me. I didn't learn. I didn't learn much from uh, from my dad. Didn't pass me on a lot of those things. Like so, I, I would say. Like AC, I'm calling somebody immediately, and I'll pay for oh, whatever it is because that is yeah. that's the worst. Like honestly, like heat or AC because I have, I have no idea how any of this stuff works. Like if it's something simple, like I don't know, like like screw a light bulb. Yes, yeah, I could I could do a really good job with that. So. Um, no stuff like that, or or trying to like like repair like if I don't know, we what's the best way to put it? What am I good at, Connor? Um, gambling, gambling, yeah, anything involving a screwdriver, I'm pretty good at. Uh-huh. Uh, that so that, there's that, and also I'm, I'm, for whatever reason, really good, really good fixing the toilet. So just know your way around. Yeah, the but toilet. like everything else, like like the I, I mean I told you a couple weeks ago that nightmare scenario we had where the old alarm system that had been there since like not even the people before us, but the people before them had lived in this condo, and it went off, and we couldn't figure out how to stop it. I ripped it off the wall, nothing, and cut the wires, and it still didn't stop. So yeah, I, I need an adult with me at all times. 
I think that's fair. I yeah. think that's just a it's a little bit more of a generational thing. Our generation not as good with that, and yeah. we, it, if we if we are going to figure some stuff out, the good old Google machine is going to help us. Yeah, out. Yeah, thank God for Google. Um, oh. Second question: uh, If you could pick one person to narrate a movie about your life, who would it be? I feel that Ti is the next Morgan Freeman in terms of ability to narrate. That is from Michael Dark. That is the Michael Dark. God dang, that's a hot take. That's a good good take. I could see Ti definitely doing something like that. Absolutely um, not. Morgan Freeman. Ti being, <laughs> being the next Morgan Freeman in terms, yeah. I mean, we're gonna get. We're. I think we're gonna have a little bit more of these these type of stories and stuff. And you need you need a different kind of voice. Like you need rubber band man. Why? Wild as a Taliban. Wild. <laughs> that a boy. Um, uh, yeah, I don't but, know. About, I don't know about that comparison. But yeah, go ahead. By the way, I was watching the. Have you watched the Dennis Robin Thirty for Thirty? Not yet. Hit on a lot of childhood nostalgia for me, big time, big time. As growing yeah. up a Bulls fan, um, Jamie Fox narrating that whole thing. Oh, he's great. Really, really, really good. That'd be a good see. Like Dennis Rodman gets Jamie Fox. Yeah. I would probably go with somebody like Chris Pratt because he can kind of get a little bit serious, but yeah. doesn't take himself too too serious and has a nice kind of calming, friendly voice. That's yeah. that's probably like the the vibe I would want to push off. But I don't think my life is. Is exciting enough to, to have anybody narrate it at this point. Um, I need to do more stuff. Yeah, I don't. I mean, Artie Lang would, would probably be good for me. Um, just Goodness. no, I'm kidding. Um, I I would choose Chris Hemsworth strictly because everything is better with an Australian accent. Like, if there's if you listen to the, that true crime podcast, the Australian guy, it is oh, yeah, incredible. Yeah. Or what? Don't say it would. Well, why don't you just get Tommy O'Rourke? And why do you? Have yeah, to so Tommy O'Rourke, flat out, he could one hundred percent narrate my my uh, life story. Um, <laughs> and I also think that Tommy O'Rourke might be the next Morgan Freeman. So, yep. Uh, your third question: If you opened a microbrewery, what catchy, cool name would you give the first beer? Um, that's that's pretty easy. OG Brew. What? Why is that catchy? OG Brew. Because it's it'd be like okay, this is the. OG. I mean, that's 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 the original. Like, that's uh, if I had a nickel for every time I saw somebody put like OG on a yeah. menu, like OG dishes, like OG entrees. My mom will, will text me whenever she sees something like that on a menu. Like, this is like pasta that we've been having forever. OG brew. Simple as that. Okay. Um, I don't know if Texas Pete ever makes a beer. You call it Texas wheat. Maybe put a little orange slice in there. That would Ooh, be nice. Interesting. Um, I yesterday from uh. From if I opened a brewery, there's a lot of craft breweries open up, I guess, in, in South Carolina. How about a um, Ryan Pilsensky, a little Pilsner beer? Ooh, I think okay. that would be great. Um, and then what I would do is probably hip hops, hooray, because the hops hey, or they added yeah. some more hops to it. Yeah, um, thanks, McLovin. Yeah, there you go. So that's that would probably be mine. Uh, your fourth question, what's your this is from David Carter, who again I had a blast, David Carter, all weekend. Um, he told me some incredible stories. So, uh, favorite restaurant with your favorite Southern signature dish? No, you know, See, I'm, I'm sorry, that's not the question. It's just what's your favorite Southern signature dish? See, I'm bad. Chicken and waffles to me. Ooh, that's yeah. like that's money in the bank. Little little Texas Pete, little little syrup that little mix. Oh, you put Texas Pete on the chicken and waffles? I've never tried that. Oh, you mix the syrup with the hot sauce. That's the way to do it. The cucumber accents the water in a way. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's, good. that's that. money in the bank. You can't go wrong with chicken and waffles. Um, I see. For me, like I, I love breakfast food. First off, so like like a big thing of like biscuits and gravy. There's a there's a place in Atlanta called Homegrown. That's probably mm-hmm. that, this will be my answer. It has this. It's this thing called comfy chicken, and it's like a fried chicken breast with uh like 
I guess two biscuits open faced with with uh, gravy on top. It, it is, it's it's incredible. It is like absolutely incredible. So that or shrimp and grits yet. I've not had yet. That sounds just phenomenal. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I want to devour that right now. That was good. Good good set of fourth and wrong. We've got one one little. It might mean too much. And this is more of just a head scratcher. Tennessee fan was kicked out of Sanford Stadium. For whatever reason, a Tennessee fan was in Sanford Stadium and stuck out like yesterday? a sore thumb. Yeah, yesterday. This is and a growing trend. The Tennessee fan had a bag over their head. <laughs> had, like a, had a jersey on. This is, so this, the picture was via Laura Monroe, uh, Laura L. Monroe 33 on Twitter. I, they said that he got kicked out. I don't know why he got kicked out. Do you think it's possible that he got kicked out just for wearing a Tennessee jersey? That's not possible, right? I'm sure he, that wasn't the only reason. Because that's been like, that happens a lot nowadays. There were Clemson fans. There was a guy with a Rutgers shirt on yesterday at the Bama South Carolina game. Um, and oh, I remember th- that guy that that was wearing the Rutgers shirt at the Ole Miss tailgate last year. Oh yeah, and I was like, "What up, Rutgers?" And then he gave me a look like, "Oh, he did not like you know, that. <laughs> he did not like that at all." Um, that was tough. No, it's, it's, but Tennessee fans are always like they. Remember, I told you this last year, the SC championship game. You, I feel like I always see at least one set of Tennessee fans. Yep. Um, they, were, they were at the Bama Duke game this year too. So I, I would love to know the story behind why I got kicked out. Yeah, if anybody knows why that Tennessee fan got kicked out, like I'm just picturing a scenario in which the Tennessee fan is just like drinking himself silly and is yeah. like muttering, muttering about Tennessee under his breath, and there's Georgia fans like, "Get this guy out of here! We don't right. want to see this. This is depressing. Yeah. This is killing our pipe right now." Or maybe they were just worried he was going to jinx their entire team and program. I don't know. Um, no, but if, yeah, if, you, if anybody knows the story behind it, please let us know. And if you don't, and you want to make it up, also please reach out and tell us what happened. And if you got kicked out just for wearing like a, a, a like a, a different shirt or whatever i've seen that too before where um like a college especially this is a college thing it's not it's not a pro thing where if you wear like the visiting team shirt in the main student section you get kicked out like i saw that I like that. In a michigan basketball game once where i'm like wait a minute you you kicked a kid out because he well, wasn't wearing a michigan shirt like that's that seems a little bit there's much. people there's people that have what they've started doing is like intentionally trying to buy the tickets in those sections just to be a-holes yeah, I mean, I get that. A yeah, little that's bit something I would have done five years ago, probably. But either way, it's wrong. We've got six five-star reviews to get to. Thank oh you to God. everybody who gave us a five-star review. We, we got a ton of these. I'll throw this first one out there because you, you're going to love this name. This is from Bama Bo 21 Okay. It, it's never too much sauce for football season. Amazing podcast, great info, stats, and gambling tips that both of you guys provide for the listeners like myself. Much needed entertainment throughout my workday. Keep up the sauce across the board. Hashtag Roll Tide. Thank like you, that. Bamba Bo. That's really good. Um, RxGator86 says, great SEC pod. Gator grad here. Love the podcast. Connor and Uncle Chris provide insightful weekly info from around the SEC with just enough humor to not derail them from the matter at hand. One of my favorite podcasts for my work commute. Definitely give them a listen. Our Gator fan likes us. That's good. There you go. That's I like really that a good. lot. Um, hold on. I finally got it open here, Connor. You take the next. Take the next one. Okay. Jay Fletch, 18, uh, Saturday Down South podcast is awesome, says, this is the best college football podcast in the business. Didn't say business, said biz- business. Marler and O'Gara mix undisputed knowledge with gut-busting humor. Their takes are awesome. Their betting advice is uncanny, and fourth and wrong is gold. Thank you guys for making Saturdays in the South better than Saturdays anywhere else. Love it. Really um, okay, this one's best SEC coverage around from Anabolics. With an X. It says, if you are looking for SEC football news and insight and aren't listening to this podcast, dot, 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 
you are doing it wrong. Marlo and Connor are awesome with a great mix of info and humor. Guest interviews are great, and big game recaps are awesome, uh, even bring, even when bringing up UGA failures. Oh, and Marlo is the man. Shout out to GCSU baseball alum and go dogs. Thanks, guys. I think that's my buddy Drew Hutchins. He's been, he's been awesome. We played together in freshman specific. year. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I appreciate that. Let's see here. Oh, by the way, I need to, before I forget, the, the bearded tomato guy, Chris Phillips from the Spurs mm-hmm. Up podcast. So we, I, I met him yesterday. He's a great guy. Super nice. He said flat out, he goes, is Connor not here? And I was like, no, he couldn't make it today. He goes, mm. man, Connor's hilarious. And I was like, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes. So there you go. About time. Um, okay. That, awesome. Listen, awesome. uh, Kevin D. Smith says, love this pod, real personalities, and mo- mostly a holistic understanding of the game of football. Love the comedy, entertainment, and knowledge of how it makes and how it makes blended. Love it. All right. Appreciate okay. that. And the last but not least, John Cole Kirksey. That's like, he's got to be a quarterback in the SEC. This is it? John Cole Kirk. Uh, blame the two M's, <laughs> not the two C's. Look, folks, I love the Florida Gators as much as the next Florida fan, but leave these dudes alone. <laughs> All the, yeah. <laughs> all the, leave these dudes alone. <laughs> all the crap they talk about, uh, about us isn't their fault. There are two people to blame, Muschamp and McElwain. We are rebuilding. It takes time. Ask Tennessee. Well, don't actually ask but them, but seriously, Uncle Chris and his nephew Connor know their stuff. I love their podcast. I'm a better fan because of their knowledge. Sure, Chris loves his large red elephants, and Connor doesn't really have a dog in the fight, except for Joe Moorhead, head dog. Mm-hmm. These two dudes make the Atlantic commute worth every horrible hour. In conclusion, just listen to the podcast. It's the best cultural podcast out there with more hot takes than an ACC Network lemon, women's lacrosse hour. Some say Whoa. it might mean too much, but I say it just means more. Texas Pete. That's a great, I mean, you, you covered it all, John Cole Kirksey. We've had some, just some really, really strong reviews the last last few months, especially, where yeah. people, I, the more personal the reviews, the better. I, yeah. I, I think we, we always agree on that, but... If you have not sent us a five-star review, if you're not subscribing, make sure that you definitely do that. Tell all your friends to do that. We have really, really enjoyed the the start to the season so far. I feel like we've had a lot of different, a lot of different angles from a lot of different fan bases that I wasn't quite anticipating. This stuff with Ryan Holinsky, yeah, we're going to continue to talk about. But we want to obviously we want to cover all of our bases. Going to have a ton of Georgia Notre Dame talk. Maybe, just maybe, I'm working on this. I'm working really, really hard. I'm I'm, I'm trying. I'm doing my best to get our good buddy Paul Feinbaum on the podcast this week. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but if I throw it out there and will it into existence, maybe it'll happen. So that's that's a, that's a hard maybe, and, and a hopefully that come come Thursday morning, y'all can be listening to our good friend Paul. Sweat glands activated. <laughs> Marler, you got Facebook Live on Monday nights? Yes, Monday nights. Um, yeah, we'll be back at that this week. And then, yeah, make sure you're keeping track of all the stuff on Instagram uh, uh, for both of us and then also with SCS. And then check out the site, man. You guys killed it yesterday. You guys There's killed it. a ton it. of coverage. News team is just demolishing it. You such, know what? Such great content up. This is this is year two, and I, I think what I'm going to try to do moving forward, maybe try to keep up with games better if I'm at an actual game and can't see the rest of them. I'm going to stay off the old social media, and I'm just going to look at SDS. Maybe look in our little Slack and, and see what's going on from you guys because you guys have done a great job, uh, you know, knocking all those articles out and, and reporting stuff, and, and also not yelling at people like they do online. You should be doing that anyways. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Coach O, um, can you can you give us a little bit of a little, little bit of a sign up? I know oh, you're, Connor, you're away. Connor. Whoa. Hot chicken. Go to moves. Listen, I'm gonna tell you right now. I'll be going into Nashville this weekend. We gonna win. Uh, look for me though. Second half, I'm leaving. I'm gonna go to Tussies. Sing some songs. 
It might mean too much. Talk to you guys later this week. Boom. Good.